So, uh, what do you think about Dracula kicking it in the 70s? <laughs> I actually really like this movie. Crack open a cold box of wine or pour something cold on ice because it's the Binge Watchers Podcast. Dave and I watched The Horror of Dracula, which comes out from Hammer Studios in 58. Um, Hammer Films is kind of brilliant. It's a family-owned studio from England. Back in the 50s, they were kind of doing something pretty incredible, because what they did to change up the horror genre was to add color, specifically Technicolor film. If you don't know some Technicolor, Google it, dig up some history, go to your local film archive, or go to archive.org and start to look into Technicolor itself. Um, I've noticed, Dave, that I'm attracted to movies in Technicolor. Like, there, big time. There's something very surreal about it. Yeah. It's very unique. And it's gone. But I wonder if a digital company will ever figure out how to mimic it. They haven't well, they, figured well, they kind of have. There was a movie that so? came out two or three years ago that repl- replicated that look. Um, <laughs> it was called The Love Witch. I think it might even be on Amazon Prime. Oh, I thought, like, you, uh, I thought you were describing the technique, and you were saying the technique is called the Love Witch. <laughs> no, no, no. The movie is called the Love Witch, but oh, it okay. uh, it replicates a Technicolor kind of look. So, Hammer Films did this ingenious thing where they wanted to reinvigorate the horror genre, and at the time, most horror was in black and white, and that had showed like atmosphere, but could downplay the gorier aspects of horror, like people be, being able to handle blood, right? So Technicolor brings mm. blood kind of into reality. And right. so they get rid of this monochrome world, and they start doing things like Curse of Frankenstein. Basically, they're they're reinvigorating all the universal horror-type monsters at the time. So they're they're taking characters from the 30s, but they're in, we're in the 50s, bringing something new and brilliant to the screen. So they play around with some other, some other movies like they were working with the BBC to develop something called the Quarter Mass Experiment, which I haven't seen. But some people in the U.S. might have seen it as the Creeping Unknown. I'm familiar with that title, the Creeping Unknown, but I just, I just, I think I've come across the title, but I don't think I've ever actually watched that movie. Um, well, it's hard to say because that's also an era where they made. There's a ton of movies with the creeping. Yeah, I think there's exactly. also like yeah, the Creeping yeah. Terror. Yeah, you're the, right. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so anyway, so. Uh, they want a broader market, they're going to get into horror, but they're going to take it to a new level of appreciation and popularity, and I think it, it, it's a couple different things. It's the storytelling that they're using, the types of stories they're telling, the actors that they bring into the into the situation. It's kind of a mixed bag. Like I noticed that their main characters are these top stage British actors, right? Like they're mm-hmm. like they're like classically trained actors. They got they they got like it's like almost applying Shakespearean level theater to horror movies, but then they kind of pepper the rest of the cast with these really kind of not even B movie players, just like basically, like basically cardboard cutout actors. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Like the the the, the main characters, big talent, swinging dicks, if you will. And back then, folks, 
the fifties they wanted their dick swinging. Today, who knows? Because you can't even sing a Christmas song about two people falling in love anymore without pissing somebody off. So, so and oh that's, that's besides the point. Like, like that's a whole that's a whole episode in itself. And I almost want to just like, if no radio station will play that song anymore, I'm like, okay, the podcast is going to play it every day until the end of time. But uh, I, I, I'm divulging. This has nothing to do with Hammer films or the horror of Dracula. So I guess we should really stay on point because we're trying this whole new format where we stay on point. So let's stay on point. Okay. <laughs> so they, they're going to tackle the horror of Dracula, which is uh, loosely adapted from the Dracula novel. The heroes are more uh, active participants of the story. But they've changed around some of the roles, like, there's no Mina Harker, there's a Lucy still, and pretty much every other vampire hunter besides Van Helsing is kind of, like, taken out of the story, except for the exception of, like, Jonathan Harker, but there's no Quincy Morris. And Arthur Homewood, as far as I can tell, is, like, the Dr. Seward, or Sweeward character from the books, but all his doctor attributes are merged, or, like, blended in with the Van Helsing character, if that makes any sense at all. Um... I guess briefly, here's what the story is, folks. If you haven't seen this movie, you can get it for free on archive.org, but I recommend, I mean, you can also spend $3 and watch the better version on, like, Amazon Prime. You know what I mean? A fully restored, like, HD version of the movie is the, probably the way to go because they found a negative of the movie and put it back together when they were putting together the Blu-ray and all that crap. Um, so, this is the story laid out by Google. Look it up in DVD covers. It says... On a search for his missing friend, Jonathan Harker, um, the vampire hunter Van Helsing is led to Count Dracula's castle, and upon arriving, Van Helsing finds an undead Harker in Dracula's crypt and discovers that the Count's next target is Harker's alien fiance, Lucy Homeworld. Homeworld? <laughs> Homewood. With the help of her brother, Arthur, Van Helsing struggles to protect Lucy and put an end to Count Dracula's parasitic reign of terror. The only supporting cast is interesting is Michael Goh playing Arthur is Alfred Pennyworth from four of the Batman movies. Well, later he will go on to make the Batman movies starting in the 80s with Tim Burton and uh, Michael Keaton. Now, Carol Marsh is in a pretty famous movie. She's in Brighton Rock, and she's playing Lucy in this movie. I know what my favorite scenes are, but let's let's back it up. And if Dave wants to introduce either Peter Cushing and his style of acting, and what he's done, and what he does, or if he wants to talk about Christopher Lee, I guess I should ask you, well, before I ask you to introduce one of the main leads, either the antagonist or the protagonist here, and depending on which side of the coin you're on, you know, Dracula could be your hero in this story, and, and maybe maybe the, maybe Van Helsing is uh, is the villain, who knows? I guess it depends on how you, you view the, the story, you know? Depends on um, who, if you like a hero or an anti-hero. I don't know. Yeah, that's true, but I mean, like, some people could pick up the book of the, the novel Dracula, and they could they could say, well, uh, even though it's it's told through all these other characters, really the sum of the book is it's Dracula's story, and other people could say, no, 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 you're going to go down the road with Harker, you're going to be on Harker's side, or X, Y, and Z, you know? Um, right. So, uh, keep me on track, Dave. <laughs> what was I asking say, you to well, do? Here, we'll, oh, we'll talk oh, about okay. that. Are you with, are you, uh, are you on Team Dracula or are you on Team Van Helsing? With this ah, movie, if we're just applying the rules of this film, I'm gonna I'm gonna say uh, I'll say Dracula because he's you know it's Christopher Lee. Okay. Uh, I mean no, uh, I mean well, Peter Cushing's pretty great too. But do you have the talk notes I sent over? Do you? Know I do. The little okay, cool. 
You want to yeah. tell our binge watchers at home a little bit about uh, Christopher Lee? Well, yeah, Christopher Lee. I mean, um, I think, uh, well, our generation, if you haven't watched these movies, would definitely know him from, uh, God, Saruman? Or he was, <laughs> he was, he was in Lord the of the Wizard, Rings. Yeah, Lord of the Rings. Um, but I always forget. Oh, it was Saruman. Or, well, there's Saruman, Saruman, you know, there's... Anyways, we're not talking about Lord of the Rings. yeah, that's the dude that kind of takes control of his mind. But you're right, Saruman <laughs> is the wizard, and he works for Sauron. It's kind of... So I think that's like... Uh, I think that was the... I think the writer, J.R.R. Tolkien, was hinting that, hey, you know, they're they're, they're in cahoots, you know? <laughs> right. Um, but I think that's what, like, uh, our generation are, you know, like I said, if you haven't watched these movies, we know him from. But, I mean... Um, you know, sir, we got to point out, sir, Christopher Frank Carandini Lee, Carandini. Uh, wow. Just Chris Lee to everybody. <laughs> we'll just call him Christopher Lee, yeah. sir, Christopher Lee, because yeah. uh, he was knighted back in 2009 for his service to drama and charity. There you go. Uh, but, you know, of course, he was an English actor. Uh, he was actually it, what I found out. I didn't know from before these notes was he was a, a military officer and even an author. Um and he like he acted for like eighty years. Lee was well known for portraying villains and became best known for his role as Count Dracula. Actually, starting these movies, uh, of course, these were a sequence of Hammer horror films. Uh, typecasting situation, he kind of lamented, but you know, hey, that's what people know him for. Uh, you know, of course, he's also been in other things such as uh, the James Bond film, The Man with the Golden Gun, as Francisco Scaramanga. I didn't watch those movies. Uh, of course, like I said, Saruman and Lord of the Rings and the Hobbit trilogy, Count Dooku and the, uh, yeah, the I prequels. Say, I think a lot of people probably know him as uh, the Sith Lord Dooku from um, Star Wars prequels. Yeah, I mean, uh, well, I mean, those are both in those era. Yeah. But uh, I mean, he's a badass, though. I mean, how he was, uh, I think, like a couple years before he died, he met, he did a death metal album. <laughs> so. <laughs> That's ridiculous. <laughs> That's funny. I mean, hey, I get, like, yeah. I mean, I do, okay. I do like Christopher Lee's Dracula is pretty unique. I do like his portrayal of Dracula. Like, and you'll be on board. I mean, they make they make a handful of sequels. You know, um, I was reading like later on the later sequels don't include like that. He's in like, I think there's seven of these movies, and he's in like five of them. Hmm. Um, something like that. And how they bring him back every time, it's actually kind of unique and interesting. That's why I think it's going to be cool to, like, unwrap these films. Because, I mean, you also, okay, it's Dracula, guys. You know the story. At the end, you're, it's pre, you come to the conclusion that Van Helsing is obviously going to take out Dracula somehow. And then it's like, well, how do you bring him back? And it's it's not just like the franchise killer movies that were, deal with in, like, the 80s and 90s. Like, the ways that he comes back are pretty, like, pretty legit with with the supernatural rules that these movies these hammer films set up um and there's kind of like three different parts of the story it's like the the third act is really the chase where he's fighting dracula the first act is really the mystery of what happens to jonathan harker and the middle is more like uh it's like a it's like a police procedural almost Mm-hmm. Um and they and like I said they're stage actors so in the middle of this movie they all get their speeches in they all get to do their dramatic moments you know what I mean and and take it or leave it but I definitely know like what my favorite scenes are 
You know what I mean? And, like, what I thought, like, if they made another Dracula like this, like, which elements you would pluck from this? And I'll probably credit the director, Terrence uh, Fisher, who worked with uh, Hammer Films on a lot of different projects. And he, like, sets up some of these scenarios, like, almost perfectly. And then, like I said, maybe there's maybe, it, maybe there's some fluff with the actors. Each one gets a speech, right? Mm-hmm. You know, or two. Um Arthur Holmwood, who's played by Malka Go, is very eccentric in the movie, and he's kind of he's kind of off color as like a sidekick. And so, you, like I said, like a lot of the other characters, you can just they're cut and paste. You know what I mean? Or like, I don't even care when some of them start to get killed. Actually, which is kind of that's the that's that's the one negative I I think maybe is it, it doesn't really have a very big body count, but you'd want to you want to care. Enough of, to be involved in the characters, so that's one deficit of this movie is you're literally only watching the conflict between Peter Cushing and Christopher Lee. Right. And that's I'm, I don't know. That's kind of all that movie. This movie really needed. I felt. Um. And and Peter Cushing can st- he's got legs too, man. Um, you know he's uh, I mean he's probably best known as as Van Helsing the Vampire Killer in the, in the Hammer movies. But he he's another guy that sticks out for three decades, fifties, sixties, seventies. Um, he he. What's funny about him and Christopher Lee? They're both in Star Wars. He plays a general. That's right. Yeah, he plays a general in the first Star Wars, who's like one of the most beloved characters. It's Grand Moff uh, Tarkin. Um, the Grand Moff is like they actually redid him in a prequel movie in Rogue One. They actually like cropped his face into the, or like did that de-aging movie thing or whatever they do, you know, mm. where they splice somebody into a movie. Um, but I guess he had to get his family's permission to do that. But like Dave was talking about, you were talking about Peter Cushing is like the host in the Tells from the Crypt movie, right? That you were talking about that came out in the seventies, right? Um, he wasn't the host, but he was a, he one was of the a guys, character in one, one of the, the stories. Okay, yeah. So, um. I mean, and he's, he's also in like the original house on Haunted Hill, I think. Uh, he's in, he's in, like, basically Peter Vincent is synonymous with horror movies for three decades. Like, that's his whole thing. Um, right. And he's more famous than I'm, that I'm alluding to, folks, so, but again, like, I wanted to focus specifically on this movie, so I don't want to go really on a tangent about my love for Peter Cushing or what he means to the, um, the industry, you know, as a hero in horror movies, you know, um. Right. Well, I mean, go look him up. I mean, he's yeah, exactly. he's a he's a well known actor. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, should we talk about how we feel about the story, and then talk about what the critics said and what the audience said in the fifties? Like, should yeah. we talk about like um, how we feel? I guess. Well, uh, I'll I'll let you start. I mean, I can. I think I have a feeling where you're at with it. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, I mean, I guess my review is mostly positive. Like, I like how it just opens and goes right into Dracula's crypt. It's kind of ridiculous that it actually says Dracula on the crypt. That's mm. not the family's name. Like, okay, the legend of Dracula and the myth that went into Bram Stoker's novel was based on a real dude, but he's, uh, it's the Tepish family from Wallachia. Um, yeah, I think it's called Wallachia. Well, Wallachia or Wallachia. Um, I might be pronouncing the country wrong, and I, I learned how to pronounce it correctly for many years, and of course, now that you're podcasting about it, I think it's called Wallachia. Anyway, it's in bet- like anyway, we're talking like 1400s. Dude was a prince. He was squ- squeezed in between w- two different empires. It was like Hungary versus Turkey or something, and he's in between 
keeping the peace between two different empires, ransomed at one point, betrayed by his brother, considered a terrible torturer. I mean, that's where you get Vlad the Impaler and all this blood-drinking myths and peeling skin off and eating them and roasting them. All this stuff comes out about this guy. And Bram Stoker sits down in, like, the 1800s in England and writes a horror story, you know, about an immortal prince who swears off who, who, or who blasphemes and, and gets cursed with immortality and, for some reason, a bunch of other supernatural abilities, right? Right. <laughs> uh, but, you know, this movie opens up with we go right into the crypt and it's it's clearly labeled Dracula. So, literally, anybody that wanted to kill Dracula could just look for the coffin with his name on it and you'd be <laughs> good to is. go. <laughs> What I think is really funny is I made a Facebook video about how much blood there was on the coffin because you zoom in on the coffin and Terrence Fisher's like, let's put some blood on that shit. And then it's bleeding. There, We don't know where the blood comes from. Like, the only thing I wish is, I wish I heard a lady scream, or like, I hope there should have been like a blood-curdling scream with the blood, you know? Um, right. But you're kind of like right into the story. Then like, dope de dope de dope dope de dope Here comes Harker. He's at the castle. Okay, I like this stuff about, like, could you imagine if you took a job with a demon and you're supposed to take care of his library and the demon's obsessed with keep like, here's the thing about immortality, like, you might actually care about your your literature because it's as old as you are, and, like, you hire this dude to come fix your books. It's not a very good, like, uh, disguise, though, or, or like, um, you know, what you, what you would call it, because Harker clearly doesn't have any skills as a librarian. And then he's got his vampire-killing kit right in his suitcase. You know, right. you know what I mean? So, so, so here we are. And, uh, and then there's a girl there who wants to be saved, who's clearly a pet vampire, you know? Um, Dracula's Brides, which has been established by another Dracula movie. I think, I think the brides are in the, the Bella Lugosi version, I'm pretty sure, but they're definitely, they are, in, the, yeah. they're definitely in the book. And... Um, so I don't I hate the Harker stuff except for when when Van Helsing shows up, right? And Peter Vincent is looking for Peter Vincent. <laughs> That's how closely an homage to Peter Cushing's character, that character from that from the eighties movie is. Um I mean Peter Vincent's whole vampire killer is sculpted out of the way Peter Cushing acts in these Dracula movies. Okay. So Van Helsing shows up at a tavern, and he's inquiring about where Harker is. I like this little detective aspect and how off-putting all the locals are and how suspicious they are and how afraid of Dracula they are. I like that element. I think that's cool. Like, I would like to see a movie where a vampire disappears with somebody's friend and then, like, the guy's looking for the the friend. Like, I was like, that could be a movie itself. Um, As long as we don't know the rules of vampires, it would be an interesting movie. And of course, you get the the typical things. You get the there's garlic all over the bar, you know. And he's like, "Hey, why do you have so much garlic?" Blah blah blah. And then the fatal error that Harker makes is like, "Why do, why doesn't he try to kill Dracula first and not the bride? Like, if he had gone straight for Dracula, he might have been successful. He made a fatal error. But of course, we wouldn't have a whole movie It'd be over in twenty minutes, right? You know. And again, that's just these stories, folks. Sometimes they literally write idiocracy into the characters otherwise we don't have the plot doesn't go anywhere like we have to make these we have to do certain things or we can't the story can't be told um 
And then, of course, they they write later on like he sees a carriage with a with a coffin in it. Oh, dra- there goes Dracula! I gotta follow that carriage. <laughs> you know, like oh man. Um, and then and then my next favorite scene, obviously. Well, I'm gonna talk about the chase, so maybe I'll hold off because I want to talk about the fight in the chase. So I'll turn it over to my co-star David, and he can uh, he can he can throw in his two bits here. Well, I I hate to be this guy, but I. I really didn't like it that much. Um, now I di- I will say this. Uh, now I'm not saying that it's a bad movie because it's not. It's actually I'm I'm I'll I'll give you my rating later. But um, you know it starts off great. I love the I love the music. Uh, it really got me into it. Um, and there's the cinematography. The Technicolor is great. Uh, the performances by Cushing and Lee are great. Um, but uh, a lot of the the secondary characters just didn't do it for me. Uh, I don't know. It it uh, there's a lot of there was a lot of drag in the middle. Uh, oh yeah, that's what I'm talking about. The speech. The, the second yeah, I mean, there's a lot of speechifying, yeah. so to say. Yeah, <laughs> there's a lot of speechifying. Um, you know, but the things that work are great. Like the uh, the effect. Some of the effects for this time are really great. The makeup effects and some of the special effects. I mean. Um, you know, some of the images are not that aren't going to leave me are, you know, the burning cross on the uh, one of the bride's foreheads. Oh, dude, that that is incredible. That's incredible. So there's a lot to admire with the movie. Like I see its place. I see its place in history. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think this might be the first official Hammer horror movie I've seen. Um, I'm well aware of its reputation, but this might be the first one I've actually watched. You know, I was reading how they did that effect. I don't know if you had a chance to read about it, but. Mm. They put they put wound makeup on the actor, uh-huh. and they covered the wound makeup like the flesh tones with wax, and then they used the the tool or whatever to as they pressed it harder, the wax fell off and revealed the wound. Huh? Yeah, it's fucking cool, cool as shit. What a practical effect, no less. Obviously, at that time they had to be really creative and do things almost realistically essentially make things, but that's still why certain movies are incredible. Um, and obviously, we already talked about a shot on Technicolor, which is an amazing uh, color process for film. I'm not sure what the aspect ratio is. I don't know, or the film stock. I don't know if it's like 35 or if there's different stocks in Technicolor. Um, but um, it's what? you know Technicolor when you see it. We're talking like Wizard of Oz type stuff, you know, like you. Wizard know of Oz is gone it. with the winter, like the. Day it looks a certain or... way, so you once you see a few of these films, you'll get the idea of like, okay, I'm watching Technicolor. That's it, you know. Um, but uh, okay, the stuff that I have difficulty with is like this. Van Helsing is so cool when he's fighting Dracula. He can pretend to be dead on a floor, and Dracula won't bite him because he thinks he's already dead, and Dracula only eats. Living victims, apparently, because Dracula backs off long enough for Van Helsing to get up, and then the chase continues. Before this, though, I guess I need to set up the whole chase. Dracula wants a new bride because they fucked up his other bride, and I'm like, where are his ser- where's his gypsy servants? Because there's Dracula with a shovel, getting his cape dirty, trying to bury this girl in the dirt. They catch him. He's caught in the act. Dracula does not turn into a bat. He doesn't fly away. I was in awe of Dracula is running, like full-on sprinting in his cape, back into his castle, being chased by Van Helsing, 
And I go, holy shit, I've never seen a running Dracula before. Like, <laughs> what's happening? And then... I mean, it was badass, but also, why didn't he just fly? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, so this Dracula also has no powers. He just likes to wear a cape just for the hell of it. Um, so, but I was glad he doesn't... I was glad Christopher Lee does, like, this psycho eye thing. Like, he emotes through Dracula's eyes. He doesn't pull the cape over his face like Lugosi did, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, I'm glad they didn't continue that device. That device. Um, but for that matter, I guess they could have dropped the cape altogether. But um, they're wrestling in the castle, and he's still chasing the vampires through the castle. And, I mean, do you like the scenario where they, they finally get into the study or whatever, and he pulls the thing down, and it's all sunlight, and dude's over with? Like, Actually, I did like that. Okay. Um, it felt like, yeah, if, uh, and again, another great effect with that, you know, Hmm. it goes back to that wax technique I was talking about, right? Where they just peel the layers off. Like they put layers on your face and then it's literally like, you're just peeling away, literally, (laughs) almost (laughs) literally peeling away. Um, so anyway, so this is the first movie to bring gothic horror into full color. It's got sexual overtones. It's considered explicit horror at the time. Of course, not by modern standards, it'd be considered mild, but unprecedented at the time. That's what people forget. It's like it was a, it was a trend setter, right? Right. Well, you know, I'll be honest. Like some of the, like I said, the effect with the uh, the cross and uh, and some of the other stuff, and you know what blood there is in there. I was quite honestly uh, ex- uh, expecting it to be a little tamer in some of that department, given the the year it came out. Right. Absolutely. Um, so, I mean, given if you put yourself in the frame of mind of watching a 1958 movie and then realizing what you're watching, it's like pretty graphic for its time. Well, I mean, when it comes out, it's a critical and commercial success. Uh, today, it holds an 88% rating with Rotten Tomatoes. It has an average of like on Google, it's about an 8 out of 10. Um, generally, the consensus is it's a gore for grandeur. Impressive turn for Christopher Lee, and it has a typical hammer mood, but it makes aristocracy quite sexy. That's a quote that's floating around on uh, on Rotten Tomatoes. But at the time, the trade reviews in eighty um, in fifty eight are saying, "Let's see." As produced by Anthony Hines and somber mid Victorian backgrounds, and directed by Terrence Fisher. With an immense flair for the blood-curdling shot, this Technicolor nightmare should prove a real treat. The James Bernard score is monumentally sinister, and the Jack Asher photography is full of foreboding atmosphere. And then, I guess this Harrison Harrison, uh, individual or organization, I'm not familiar with Harrison reports, it must have been a big, I don't know, periodical or something in the day, Um, of all the Dracula horror pictures that were produced... This one made in Britain and photographed in Technicolor tops them all. It's shock and is the most impact. It's great to be considered as one of the best horror films ever made, or should be, I guess, is what they're trying to imply. Um, I guess they're saying experts handled a delicate treatment of the shock value. And then, you know, um, Hammer goes on to do a whole bunch of other movies, but of course they're they're treating... Count Dracula. Count Dracula, I guess you would say, like, this is their main stable horse, right? Right. Yeah. Hmm. Well, they, they, yeah, I mean, they basically 
redid all the Universal movies for the most part. Right, right, right. Like, but with uh, the British they'll do the Mummy in 59, they'll do Curse of the Werewolf, which is, I mean, I mean, he's the Wolfman, but they probably can't use right. that actual name, and they make that in 61. I haven't seen that movie, actually. I haven't seen Curse of the Werewolf, believe it or not. I don't know what their version of, of that whole story looks like, or what it, well, I don't know anything about it, but I'd like to learn. Um, I've seen some of the Hammer films growing up. I, it's kind of cool to do it this way and go back and see like what a grown-up John thinks about these movies. There's a lot of, folks, there's a lot of silly stuff in this movie, kind of zany eyebrow raisers, but I had fun. <laughs> I had fun with those things. Like, I saw Dracula run away trying to sh- dig a hole to bury, you know what I mean? Like, I don't know. I, uh, I had a lot of fun. I know, I know Dave said like, like, you know, He's not really into it, <laughs> but, but... Well, no, but I will say it makes me... Um, because I've seen other... Um, even though I haven't seen other Hammer horror movies, I have seen other yeah. British horror movies from the era, you know, like that kind of fit into the mold. So um, I'm looking forward to seeing more of them. I just didn't care for this one. All right, I'm ready for my binge watcher rating. Three films that they can go watch. Um, binge Now, War of Dracula, Binge Later... The Lost Boys, Binge Never, Twilight. Yes. Ah, put me on the spot. Okay. Um, hmm. Let's see. Binge. You know what? Because I watched it recently, I'm going to say Binge Now, uh, Interview with the Vampire. Um, binge uh, Later, I'll say Horror of Dracula. Uh, and then I'll say Binge Never, um... The Little Vampire with Jonathan Lipnicki. I don't know. <laughs> wow. It's because I already threw Twilight out as a never, right? Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, where else are you going to go from there? There's nowhere to go. <laughs> and what I got myself confused with, because like I said, Peter Vincent is based on the Van Helsing character portrayed by Peter Cushing. Peter Vincent is the vampire killer in Fright Night, which was made in the 80s by a man whose name is Tom Holland, but not the actor portraying the new Spider-Man. So that's also a movie that you can go watch. If you like vampire movies that reference the old school shit that we just binged, you can go check out Fright Night as well. Oh, awesome episode, Dave. Yeah. Always a pleasure having you. Looking forward to these holiday marathon movies that Dave and his... His, uh, I think Dave calls her the lady binge watcher, Jenna. They've been kicking out. Hopefully, they'll be posting some new episodes like that. But thanks yeah. for tuning in for December is for Dracula, and I'm gonna force Dave to go down the rabbit hole with me because I'm gonna be kicking off every single Hammer Dracula movie. The next one up, I think, is um, let's see, is it Bride of Dracula or is it Taste? Of- I don't. Uh, uh, there's so many. Anyway. Well, I will say after watching the the last three movies, I've learned one thing. Uh, I got I got to take notes. Oh yeah, um, I'd agree with you, but I'd like to hear your theory on why you got to take notes. Well, I, I will say one thing though. I feel personally responsible for what kind of reviews we give based on these movies. <laughs> um, I don't. You know these. Um, well, we watched. I watched these like over the last week, or uh, the last one over a week ago. Um, and while these are great movies, I mean, they have great things about them. They are also, a, there's a lot of padded melodrama <laughs> that I wasn't quite expecting. Oh, it's like know. the definition of melodrama. 
like pretty much like I, textbook. I, in fact, I was talking about it with a friend who who'd seen uh, a lot of these movies, and uh, she's like, "Oh, but I love uh, I love Christopher Lee." I'm like, "Yes, you're right. He's awesome. But when he's not on screen, then what?" <laughs> uh, crickets, silence, the Carpathian Mountains, a redheaded stranger, an <laughs> innkeeper that me. knows more than he's letting on, but he doesn't bother to warn anybody who comes down the same fucking road for several years at a time. You know what I mean? Like, that guy's collecting, let's see, the innkeeper's collecting their last meal, so they're coming in, they're drinking his, they're, they're, they're buying his wine, they're eat, they're eating his food, um, he, you know he's taking a cut from the coachman that just dumps people there. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, what are we talking about, folks? We're talking about a place called Carlsbad, although I think the name of the village changes over the course of some of the movies, even though, like, literally, this is back in the day where you... Like these production companies were essentially like operated like little countries. Like their sets did not change. I mean, this is the same Dracula castle that you've seen in the first movie, which you would see over the next four movies. It's the same. It looks like the same wooded area, even the same road, the cursed road that we're talking about, where all he collects all his victims or people encountered. Like literally, like there is no exposition or setup in these movies. Like main characters just encounter each other along the road. And then they all end up at the little local tavern, which is conveniently located next to the local church. But all funerals take place in the back room of the tavern. So, casts of ale, caskets of dead bodies. Keep that in mind, folks. And what are we talking about? We're talking about December is for Dracula. We've been going through historical documents and records here and rewatching all the horror films. Well, not all the horror films, there'd be too many. All the. Dracula films that came from Hammer films in the horror genre from the 50s, but we're now we actually got to a new decade. Incredibly, we are now kicking it with Dracula in the 60s. So these are the three entries in the series that evolved over 60, 66, and 69. Wow. So there we are. What Dave was talking about, extensive note taking, could be just because there's a lot of information behind the scenes, and you could try to keep up with the directors and the actors and the fights over the screenplays and the actors' moods and attitudes, or do you just mean, like, trying to pay attention to what's going on and what's relevant and what is just trash? Uh, yeah, kind of the latter. Uh, you know, like I said, I watched this about a week ago, so, you know, I, I, like I said, uh, you well, know. Which one? You, cause the, the Brides of Dracula. Yeah. Um, this one, I think, might, upon reflection, might be the best of the next three we're going to watch. Um, at least, yeah, at least when Van Helsing would, would comes hang on. on uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, Van Helsing does make a re- does reappear in the Brides of Dracula 1960, but Dracula doesn't. Um, Dracula doesn't swing around again until uh, Dracula: Prince of Darkness in '66. So I guess it depends on again which side of the fight you're on. Like if you're a Hel- Van Helsing fan, or you're in Dracula's corner, or neither. Well, it, it, I guess. It, well, I think in this movie, I was uh, in Brides of Dracula, I'm more in Van Helsing's. Well, mm. I get, I guess that's easy to say because Dracula is not in it. But I'm not uh, the uh, the vampires in this one. The brides are not very as charismatic as Dracula. Oh, sure. Okay, so what Dave is talking about is the Brides of Dracula, 1960. There's a young Baron who's inherited the Dracula's curse, who's kept locked away by his mother, which is the family secret they're trying to hide. And then, of course, every once in a while, she gets a victim for him. They have a nutty maid that works for them. She's in on it. Um, eventually, he get, he breaks out of his castle. 
and his mom becomes one of his victims. Then she's a vampire, and then he's terrorizing the local village. And there's a girl score. There's a school for girls somewhere, which is like the classic Germanic boarding school that you always hear about in the country. Which is kind of just like, what's that other movie that they remade? Oh, Suspiria. Yeah, supposedly yeah. has a school like that tucked away somewhere. You know, you just hear about these charm schools or something. I mean, and you kind of, I mean, you essentially follow a governess, like a, a like a teacher or whatever, or some lady that's going. Wait, is she an attendee or is she a teacher? Do you remember? In redhead in number four, number two. <laughs> I like, don't. Uh, I don't remember. Yeah, I thought she was going to be like an instructor there or something, but then she's just kind of actually she's just boarded with one of the other girls there, so maybe she's just a student. Anyway, this chick like she gets lost. the The coach doesn't wait for her. The innkeeper, again, he, he's happy to take people's money, but he doesn't want to really solve your problems, and he has no solutions for you. It seems like the same actor in every movie, although his sideburns change a little bit. It's just basically a slightly <laughs> overweight innkeeper, but I, I, it looks like the same dude. Hard to say, but it's basically the same character. Him and his wife run the inn, and that's it. Um, So... She ends up at this baron's castle, and they, they start talking about like the cult of Dracula. Which is a new concept that they only introduce via voiceover, as an excuse to have vampires in the sequel. Because, as you said, Dracula's dust. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? So they quickly found a way to write a sequel in voiceover, which is like, I guess is that? I guess that's how they did it back in the day. Like, like, oh man, we didn't give ourselves an opportunity to create a sequel, but yet we want to make another one. Okay, you just write something for the title card. Dude will say it. We'll accept it, and everybody would just be cool with the rules at that point. <laughs> like, it's still the same screenwriter. I mean, it looks like the same screenwriter writes like the first couple of ones, and then then there's some fight over the third one, and then like even the original director is out by number four. Dude, dude's out, you know? Right. Um, I think it's because it's starting to fall apart. By the time they reintroduce Dracula, like he's coming back in when the scripts suck and like the movies are falling apart. So it's like, is that like the saving grace? Or like, oh, we got to get Christopher Lee back in here? Um, I don't know. Uh, between a couple of these sequels, did you know that he went to France and shot a movie called Dracula's Son, which is a comedy about Dracula and his kid? Mm -mm. Yeah. Okay. So he gets he's getting burned out about playing Dracula, and he says all these offensive comments in his career about portraying Dracula, and then he shoots off to France and makes a comedy about it. But it's essentially the same Dracula character from the Hammer films, except <laughs> he has a kid who's going through like you know puberty. Well, <laughs> it's it, called in all fairness, that was probably during his hungry years. He's like, got to uh, take work where he can get it. I guess so. But then later on, like, A Hundred Years of Horror is like a documentary that he will then narrate and star in. That's a great little series if you've ever watched it, actually. Yeah? I I, watched it. I might revisit it. I mean, they stuck it on Amazon, so maybe I'll I mean, go back. I mean, it's, it, is a, it is a TV show from uh, the 90s, so it is very... Video editor rific, if oh, that's yeah, a word. It's hardcore video, video in its glory days. Star wipe. Exactly, <laughs> yeah. it's that kind of level. I'm not even joking. Uh, sound on tape with jock shuttle editing, nice. <laughs> People don't know what I'm talking about. Go get two tape decks and then find out the glorious of cutting it into a tape. Okay. Oh, um. So anyway, the Baron has more charisma than Dracula, actually. David Peel's doing a pretty good job. I looked at this actor, and I'm like, oh, shit. He literally does nothing before or after this movie. He's fucking done. <laughs> like, what the, oh, what the hell? Like, uh... But again, 
I mean, we're talking about like these are factory films. Like they have a set. They use the set for all of their movies. Like some of these sets are used in other horror films. Like they have the same actors. You've seen them die in Dracula, and then you see them die in the Creature from the Black Lagoon. You know, it's that kind of stuff. You know what I mean? Right. Like, but that's that's. I mean, that's just strategy. I mean, that most uh, most good horror uh, horror masters or whatever. I mean, use that like you know, fucking um, Roger Corman would do that. Uh, mm-hmm. Hell, it even went all the way down to like Charles Band, uh, Full Moon Pictures. He he bought like a castle. He bought a land with castles and shit. So he makes a lot of movies with castles in them. <laughs> You know? I didn't know he actually owned property with castles on it. And that's uh, well, I mean, he bought like uh, he bought Dila De Laurentiis' um, sets or uh, st- studio from um, in uh, uh, France, not France, uh, the uh, Italy at one point. I could be getting some of the details wrong, but like he bought like the studio in uh, in Europe. I want so, the property, Dave. I want so, that like, property. I mean, didn't you notice, like, in the late 80s, uh, when you watched a lot of full moon movies, there was, like, stuff with castles? Like, yeah, um... yeah, the whole, there's a subspecies, which is a series of, alright, subspecies is weird. The main character's a vampire, who's actually very much like Dracula, but he has a magical item called the Bloodstone, and he can summon these little goblins to do his bidding. And the goblins are the subspecies, as far as what I remember. That's what the subspecies is referring to. Um, and that's a strange, like, the full moon movies all exist in the same universe. So like characters encounter each other over the course of different movies, like Dollman fights the, the demonic toys. Right. Um, and Dollman's his own sci-fi thing. But then like uh subspecies crosses with a movie called vampire journals, which is if anybody <laughs> wants to know where twilight comes from, it's a predecessor, but it's better. <laughs> like, it's right. more of a horror film, but there's a vampire in there who's connected to the, the vampire brothers that are from subspecies, and he's like a, I don't know, an underling of them, but he's trying to escape anyway. He will, and, you know so much more about Full Moon. And then I think, <laughs> and I think that guy, I think his name is Ash, like the brooding vampire with a heart in in Vampire Journals. His name is Ash, and I think later on they kill him in one of the subspecies movies. Spoiler alert! Like he goes after the the, the main um, vampire and his brother. Uh, Radu, I think, is the name, and that's, uh, Radu is actually the name of the younger brother of the real Vlad Tepish in real life. The real Vlad the Impaler's younger brother was Radu. Um, but those movies are made in Budapest, and in subspecies you get to see, like, them being chased by, like, the police from Budapest. It's kind of funny. Hmm. Um, yeah, I know a lot about Full Moon. I've watched a lot of their movies. <laughs> But getting back to Brides of Dracula, yeah, exactly. But getting from back 1966, Hammer. But yeah, Hammer has that history. Like I was tying it into yeah. Full Moon that they they own a lot of sets. They're going to use them. <laughs> we've watched a lot of these movies now, and we're in like the middle. We're like in like you talk about how like in movies there's like a second act lull where the second act slows down and it, right before the climax mm-hmm. is deciding again. I feel like that's where we're at with these sequels because there's there's like seven of them and we're like in the middle of these movies and it's starting to the churn is starting to slow down a little bit um, and they're blending together but like I said each one of these movies has vampiric brides usually there's a redheaded victim usually it's the redhead goes first um, and, of, and Dracula dies kind of in silly ways I mean I mean like he's not in the second one so first of all we're just dealing with like. I feel like this whole movie exists just to bring Dracula back in some ways, um, maybe on a metaphorical level, but it takes a half hour before you even see Van Helsing. Right. 
That's why I thought this movie was like, um, I mean, I could say that about all four of them, but I mean, this movie, this movie really dragged until Van Helsing came on about the halfway point. Mm. Um, yeah, it's literally, I, I tried to clock it cause I kept going, where's, where is he? Where is he? Where is he? Like, okay, how are they going to relate this? And of course the girl falls down, you know, on the coach road. Um, and then he's like, oh, I'll help you. I'm a doctor. And then they, of course, they go to the inn. They go to the inn, you know, for some mutton and some ale. And then, boom, there's a priest there. Oh, you're Van Helsing? Cool, man. Um, You might want this. And he hands him holy water. Gee. <laughs> Gee. <laughs> like, and then he kind of looks at it, which is really funny because it's like, you see Peter Cushing trying to process his, his, his business in the scene. And it's like... He's got to indicate to the camera that we should pay attention to that little vial of holy water. That's going to mean something, folks. You need to pay attention right now. <laughs> Thank you, Peter Vincent. Not Peter Vincent. I keep saying that. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Peter Cushing, um, for showing us the way with your little vial of holy water. Well, what I will say is, like, I watching this one, it felt like... I, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe I was. it was a little late at night, but it felt like... Uh, a lot of horror movies after this took from this movie. Like this movie mm. feels like an early setup, like an old time setup of Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Like, except in what way? Just like the damsel in distress angle, or like the just the group of friends that are in like sexuality, or like what do you like? Which which angle? Just the um in the beginning, uh, the idea of uh, the group of young people getting dropped off at the scary place. I don't know why. I, I don't know why I got like a pre uh, or a. A, a Victorian era. Wait, are you going Texas. into Prince of Darkness now? I think you're talking about like the four friends in Prince of Darkness. Oh crap! Am I again? Yeah, yeah. Like you you're said, these movies around. blend okay, together. We're not, we're not quite there yet. Unless you want to wrap up. Okay, I'll just do this. Okay. So we've already established that he needs that holy water. The Baron's out, and he decides to play around with all the girls at the school because they have no security. Somehow. Peter, or so, well, Peter Cushing playing Van Helsing. Somehow Van Helsing manages to get himself bitten, like an amateur. Like, I feel like in the original movie, he kind of warned Jonathan Harker on how to handle this Dracula shit. Then he shows up in Brides of Dracula, and he's fucking it up from, like, the very beginning. He falls under their hypnosis. He, like, lets them talk him into some bad ideas and, and go into places he shouldn't go to. He also tries to fight them at night, which seems like that's like Vampire Killer 101 shit. But then also the vampires suddenly turn into bats in this movie, which there's no precedence for this because we haven't, like, if the first movie established the ground rules, there's no superpowers except for drinking right. blood. Like, Dracula doesn't even hypnotize people in the first movie. But now these vampires are, like, suggestively telling you to do things with their eyeballs. They can turn into bats. And holy water is suddenly a thing, which we didn't even know if religion was a weapon in the first movie, really. It was more just like people were superstitious, clinging to the cross or clinging to, you know, cloves of garlic, right? Mm -hmm. Like village superstitions. So, and again, you chase Dracula through his castle, you knock some shit over. Somehow they end up at a windmill. I don't, I don't remember how they got to that windmill, to be honest with you. That's when I was kind of tuning out. But they're in a windmill <laughs> in a fucking barn. And then shit gets lit on fire. They leave Van Helsing there to transform into a vampire himself. And, like, the Baron, you know, Dracula Jr., or what have you, Baron, or Dracula's nephew, whatever, we don't exactly know the cult of Dracula. We don't even know if they're blood relatives or just, like, 
they were having sex with Dracula in the forest and they became vampires. I mean, it's very unclear exactly. Anyway, it, they just needed another vampire and they killed Dracula. So again, you know, here he is. Um, So they're fighting with him. But then, like I said, dude gets bit. He decides this is a good idea. Instead of just drinking the holy water or pouring the whole holy water on his wound, he burns himself first. He's going to try to burn out the infection, right. apparently. And then he pours the holy water on it, and it magically dissolves the wound. He's not going to turn into a vampire. And what I'm thinking, if there's some kind of like uh, chemical transfixiation here or transmorgification, and like we're talking about like there's some bacteria or some... I I don't know what you want to call that. Is it supernatural or is it like, is it an infection? Yeah, I don't know. I uh, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> exactly right. And then and then he and then he pours the holy water on it and the thing goes away. So I would have been happier with you're a doctor, dude. You think you have a bacterial infection? That water might have certain properties. You clean it out. You're done. Not this. Burn it first, then throw the holy water on it. But I guess, I mean, in 1960, that must have seemed like a good idea. Like, hey, this will be cool. And this will be cool in a movie. Let's do this. <laughs> Windmill burns down. It's all dramatic. The brides are confused. Like, they're not very good at being vampires. I mean, let's face it, folks. They're 1960 eye candy who happened to die. And then they're still, they're undead eye candy. Um, Sorry. I don't know what else to say about that. I didn't cast them. I didn't make the movie. I watched it. You're right. Guilty of watching it. Um. <laughs> They kind of scurry away. I don't even remember if the brides get killed, but like uh, the Baron sure does. Because then what's left of the holy water gets thrown in his face. He starts to melt, and then like I love how Van Helsing kind of just like goes and pokes the body. <laughs> like, he's right. kind of like, yeah, got him. That's why I'm a doctor. I <laughs> poked him with a stick. Dude's fucking dead. Certified. <laughs> like, like that's it. And guys, that's the that's it for Brides of Dracula. Now we can talk about Prince of Darkness. What Dave was talking about. Is although, although I'm sorry, just real quick oh, before ahead. we I'll move on, up, yeah. the, I do want to say the one bright spot because I felt like I've been beating up on Brides of Dracula, but I did like one thing, which was um, I think you mentioned her the 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 maid or the the um. Oh yes, uh, the, there's the that scene where where the lady nuts. um, she, uh, the 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 vampire was coming up from the grave from the uh from the coffin and she's just going nuts. Yeah. <laughs> That performance from that lady, just she goes off the wall, just so excited, like it was a bright spot of that movie. <laughs> well, see, that I mean, that was the thing. Like, cameras would just turn on and roll while people gave their monologues. I mean, that was this was that era, right? You know, this was this was like this was like opera on film. Like, that's what we're talking about here, grandiose shit. Uh, then you got Prince of Darkness. Starts out, kind of got a party vibe. I mean, we are in the mid-60s, so hey, everybody's saying, <laughs> what's going on? They seem like Americans to me, but are they supposed to be English travelers? Anyway, four English travelers arrive at the tiny hamlet in the Carpathian Mountains. Again, it's the same town, folks. Some movies call it Carlsbad. Some movies say Carlstad. Some movies say something completely different, unpronounceable. So who who really knows? This movie calls it Carlsbad, but it's also known as the Domain of Count Dracula. Then a driverless carriage pulls up, and this seems like a great idea to get in with your friends and party. It's almost like taking the, the, the party limousine, right? Or a mm-hmm. party bus. So this is like the medieval version of a party bus. It has no driver. They get into it. Charles, who's like the main friend, thinks that he can drive it. He can't, and he's telling his friends in the carriage, sorry, guys, I want to go left, have to go right. They're at Dracula's castle. 
they get sucked in. Some dude. I don't know. I don't even know who this guy is. He's got a shitty haircut. And he captures the more gullible version. Like, dude. The other. There's, okay, there's two couples, essentially. Right? And again, there's a redhead and a blonde. And then there's a gullible guy and a guy that seems to have his shit together. What's unique about this movie, though, is the fucking. There's a badass parishioner, like. Or a parish master. I don't know what. Are they like. Are these. I don't even know what kind of. Like, they're, they're not Catholics. You know what I mean? Like, mm. I don't even know what kind of. It seems like the secular church in this movie is kind of confused. At one point, it feels like the Church of England. Another point, it feels like Greek Orthodox. But then it is some bit of Catholicism because of the rosaries. You know what I mean? Like, mm. it, it seems like a hodgepodge to me. Can you figure out? Have you been able to figure this out? Like, they're doing funeral arrangements, right? Mm. It's It actually happens before the party goers are there. But then dude gets off his horse. He's a pretty stocky guy. He reminds me of Brian uh, Blessed, but he's, it's not Brian Blessed. But this guy, he's got a, he's like, he walks a walk and talks a talk. Like, he's actually swinging a bigger dick than Van Helsing is. He's, he, do you know what I mean? Right. This, pre- this preacher is like, hey, 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 hey. You're going to bury this girl the normal way, or I'm going to take you all up on blasphemy charges. You guys have ruined my whole fucking day. Bury her normally. Don't drive a stake through her heart. She didn't know vampire killed her. Then he goes and hangs out at the inn. He's drinking mulled wine. Um, he talks to these travelers. They're at Dracula's castle. And then somehow, maybe you remember this clearly, one of them gets strung up, and then they, they he gets bled out over Dracula's ashes by, like, some dude with mm. a bad haircut. That's right. That's right? right. Who's the dude with the bad haircut? Like, where did this fucking guy come from? He's just, like, hanging out at Dracula's castle, just kind of like, yeah, you got into the coach with no drivers. Get, you know what I mean? Like, well, that that was the thing that, because I was watching him, like, okay, so Dracula's dead as dead can be. He's mm-hmm. dust, as yeah. you said. Yeah. How the fuck are they going to bring, bring him back? All it took was just some random dude's blood? Well, and here's the thing, like, they're... Over the course of these movies, the series, they're picking and choosing which rules in Bram Stoker's novel to follow. And there's there's very clear guidelines and mythology given out for Dracula. So they do talk about you got to scatter his ashes to the four winds because if, if any of it's clustered together, he can come back. So, huh. I mean, they and nobody bothered to really scatter them. They just kind of left them in the <laughs> no, library. That will be fine. <laughs> just like... <laughs> <laughs> Don't worry about it. Nobody's going to come and drip blood on it. Yeah, and then they talk about, like, you got to destroy a vampire's coffin, and they just left his coffin right in the open, so... <laughs> Whoever this guy with the bad haircut is that's, like, you know, like Andy Warhol, but in 1835 or whatever, like, he, like, with a slightly worse haircut, comes out, he's got the coffin in the ashes, and he drains the blood of one of these dudes, not Charles, because Charles got his shit together. Um, Charles's friend, who I don't even know his fucking name, I don't care, he's dead. And then, of course, redhead fucking vampire, gu- dude, guaranteed. Redheaded vampire bride, every fucking, every yep. fucking, t- every fucking time. Every time. Not that there's anything wrong with that. <laughs> no, but if you, if we, if we ever do a Dracula movie, we gotta, we gotta homage that shit and be like, oh, you're, you're redhead, you're dead, you're ginger, you're done. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, man. <laughs> So yeah, she's out, and then it's again. Then I feel like they the couples kind of switch. It's almost like Charles is like suggesting. Hey, yeah, that's true. Yeah, your dude's dead. She's a vampire, and then it's kind of like they're working together. Um, Dracula seems to have a bad attitude, but I don't know why. He just got resurrected from the from the <laughs> dead. I think he'd be fucking happy. 
<laughs> right. He also seems to have lost his intelligence, so he kind of came back. Maybe he didn't come back fully. It's like, do you remember like uh, Pet Cemetery where you only come back like it's only half of you? Right, like, right. You, you don't, yeah, like, you don't fully come behind. back. Yeah, so I feel like he's pretty cranky. Um, <laughs> I'm just laughing at the idea of just cranky Dracula, like, oh, it's so drafty in here. And, uh, can somehow, we get some... <laughs> his cape huh? got better. See, that's yeah. the thing, like, over the course of sequels, like, they change people's costumes, and you just go, like, so who sewed him a better cape? Was it this dude? Like, I want to call him, like, Lurking Larry. Like, Larry who just lur- lurks in the corner, like, has this guy... Actually, has this guy, like, lived in Dracula's castle his entire life? Like, is this the gypsy servant that was missing from the first movie? Like, has this guy just been there the entire time and nobody noticed him until this movie? You know what I mean? <laughs> like, like, he's been there the entire time. He just like, isn't lurking in the background. He's yeah, like, well, like this is like a time. villager that Dracula plucked, has, like, <laughs> abused for 30 years, gave him bad haircuts, doesn't let him change his clothes, but then says, hey... Give me another fucking cape. Sew that shit together. And I'll reward you with, like, I don't know. I'm just imagining this now because I don't know what he re- rewards his gypsies with. Um, Renfield uh, ate bugs in the book. Right. Um, yeah, I, the the guy here, was uh, was he actually called Renfield? The, I don't know, was he? Maybe I maybe I, he he acted so Renfield. I just yeah. took him as Renfield. Well, again, like I said, they're they're picking and borrowing. You know what I mean? Yeah, I'm looking at the cast list and I see nobody named Renfield. So he just played it like that. Yeah, he just played it that way. Um, this is a hard movie to find online. I don't have the DVD. I was looking for a DVD collection that just has the Dracula Hammer films. It's virtually impossible well, to find that set. Coincidentally, Amazon... this that? actually comes out tomorrow on a Blu-ray. Of all, believe it or not. That's funny. Shout Factory's yeah, putting out a like Blu-ray a, of it tomorrow. Yeah, Shout Factory is good. They're doing like this um, anniversary edition Blu-ray. I think I came across something like that. Um, Amazon has some of the later sequels after Prince of Darkness, which is great if you're a Prime member. And I'm, we're not plugging Amazon. They don't sponsor our show. I'm just saying. If you, need if you to want to get stuff, your fix, yeah. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like I was talking on something else recently, um, and I was saying, uh, it, well, it's an entry for a for box office, which is which is magically going to pop up in people's uh, playlists any any minute now. <laughs> um, um, I was talking about how like I just want the movies. Like if you could download a movie to my brain directly, I would take it that way. Like I I'll watch it on VHS, I'll watch it on DVD, I'll find the Blu-ray, I'll go online. Basically, my my entire goal is just to get the material. You know, you know right. what I mean? I had to watch Prince of Darkness on a video site from Asia. Really? Yeah, with like uh, I uh, found it fairly oh, Japanese I subtitles would, uh, on the side of the screen. So oh, I wish you would have told me that. I would have told you a better way to find it, but that's all right. It's too late no, now. That's right. I don't mind Japanese subtitles. I just uh, I just wanted to play the movie. You know. Well, here's the. It has like multiple. I don't know what the differences are, but apparently there's like slight differences between the U.S. and the U.K. version. That's probably true. But I'm not sure what, because in fact that new Blu-ray has two different versions. So I guess if anybody wants it. There you can go get watch two different versions of it. Uh, their version probably has more suggestive bestiality and <laughs> necrophilia, and ours has more violence and more Technicolor blood, which just looks like actually fuchsia paint. Um, this is how Dracula goes out. Dave was a little confused by this, but we went over this in in a uh, Facebook Messenger, um, and maybe it uh you know 
made a discovery for Dave. Again, the text, the original text says, you know, Dracula can't cross running water. And the cool priest starts shooting out a frozen pond that Charles and Dracula are wrestling on top of. Because they try to steal the other chick, and they actually catch up to his driverless coach. Get the other chick out of the coffin, push Dracula's coffin onto the ice, and then Charles... Dude thinks he can just fucking take Dracula out, so he tries, which is really fucking not a good idea. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, right. But they're wrestling, and then the priest takes out his rifle that he's had since the beginning of the movie, and just starts blasting holes in the ice, and Dracula goes into a watery grave. And then Dave's like, yeah. I didn't know he was a... What'd you say? Like, is he afraid of ice water? Or how did you put it? Well, I just didn't know he ice water could take him out, or just... Yeah. I, I, apparently, that was a detail I missed. Again, these movies did not sink in. Yeah. Hydration? <laughs> Dracula can't get hydrated? <laughs> get your electric lights, Dracula. Um, yeah, so he goes underwater. That's it. And then this bastard movie known as Dracula Has Risen from the Grave that comes out in February of 69. First of all, it opens up with a teenage boy riding on a fucking bicycle. So you know you're in for a good time. Uh, this is about a small village that receives the full brunt of Dracula's tear after this priest tries to exercise his castle and Christopher Lee comes back as the archbloodsucker and he's going after the bishop I guess they're calling him a bishop so he's a priest, he's a bishop, who knows Go, there's a niece involved and, and he's gotta like what's weird is like he expresses the fact that he's taking his revenge out on somebody and I'm like, I didn't realize over the course of these four movies that Dracula had vengeance towards anybody in particular. And if that were the case, wouldn't it be against Van Helsing? Uh, yeah, yeah. I'm, Do you know what I'm, I mean? Like, yeah. Because this seems like this is his village, and the villagers there pretty much stick to their rules. Like, it's not usually the villagers that try to kill Dracula. It's the people that get stuck in the village or visit the castle. It seems like most of the townspeople know what the fucking rules are, and they don't ever kind of, they don't really usurp the power in the area. I would even think that Dracula's been paying off the church with some kickbacks over the years to, like, look the way over some of the murders. You know, we know about a few of them. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Some of them get into the public eye. But I think there's a lot to go under the the rug, so to speak, right? You know what I mean? (laughs) Like, uh, but, um, and the guy is really weird. I didn't have time to really look up who the actor was, but the priest in this movie, like I said, to the previous sequel, the priest in that movie is a fucking, like, that guy's a badass. He makes you want to put on a collar, go kill vampires fucking right now, like, really, take up the fucking sword of Christ, go kill some fucking vampires. The guy in this movie, like, you're, you, you, like, you think this guy's gonna just kill himself before he even gets a chance to kill any vampires. You, you know what I mean? Right. Like, and also, there's no connection to the, like, who, like, the girl dangling from the bell tower has no connection to the rest of the movie. They blame it on Dracula, then they're chasing Dracula again. They repeat some of the footage from the other movie to catch everybody up about what's going on. Uh. Yeah, this one felt very cobbled together. (laughs) Yeah, this is like, uh, and, and... But again, I don't. Christopher Lee is there, but I don't get it because everybody else has abandoned this movie. Like cinematographers have changed, directors have changed. 
the script writers, and I'm not even calling them screenwriters now because there's no effort involved here. This is like not even cut and paste. Like, I feel like they had a story that had nothing to do with Dracula, and they just kind of put this movie together. Um, and the bicycle, the only thing I can think is like, Bicycles did start showing up at movies in the 60s. This is kind of a big thing. There was a lot of movies in the 60s that had bicycles. So we're like in the early, or late 1800s, early 1900s, but this is a hard movie to get through. This is a, I called it rough. Like, Dave, we were playing catch up on the sequels, and we were like, okay, let's let's stop here and try to catch up. We're going to binge through three of them. By the time you get to this one, you don't want to watch any more Dracula movies from the Hammer Films family. You really don't. Like, yeah, I don't know what to say besides that. Like, it leaves a bad taste in your mouth, and you're like, if it can't get any better than this Risen from the Grave sequel, then you're just done. At the end of the movie, Dracula's like, I got you guys! Ah. <laughs> and you're like, what? I, you know, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> With the exception I mean, I... of dude does stick a giant stake in his fucking heart, and then, but then he goes, uh, <laughs> you did it wrong! <laughs> and then, like... I, I, I will he say, credit credits, dude. This, <laughs> these movies have great stakings, if yeah. if you will. Like, like they, basically, they, you wait like ninety minutes, and then you get like ten minutes of action that makes you go, "Oh, damn!" That's a, you know, you just kind of nailed it. That's the problem I had with these movies is they they were so 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 unevenly paced, mm. like boring, boring. I mean. And it's not, and anybody who knows me, it's not that I like, I can't stand slower moving movies, but like, there's just like not enough plot to fill these things out. So it just drags and it drags and it drags and then something happens. Christopher Lee comes on. Oh, that's cool. And then he's gone for a while. Now it's boring again. <laughs> I just, um, you know, I watch these. I, I feel like I'm not doing a service to anybody who might be interested in these, but I, I gotta say I was disappointed. Well, very... I mean, you can, we can help them navigate these sequels. They can literally go the original, then they can jump into Brides, and they could watch Prince of Darkness. They can skip right over Risen from the Grave. I can tell you that much. Um, they can actually skip the next two sequels and go right to Dracula AD 1972, which comes out, folks, in 1972. But of course, if Dave and I want to keep like peeling our eyelids back, and it's almost like we're taking the treatment now, in uh, Clockwork Orange. If we want to keep salting our wounds, then we will continue on with Taste the Blood of Dracula and Scars of Dracula. <coughs> Those two come out in the same year, of all of all things. They both come out in, in 70, so I feel like that's one movie that they that they split into two somehow. Um, <laughs> uh, I, I mean, I hate to say it, but I kind of want to burn off the series, but I really thought we'd, we'd do this whole thing December is for Dracula, and, you know, our buddy Nick had recommended that we extend it to, like, how do we incorporate modern Dracula movies into it? But, I mean, we're getting, like, uh, we're getting our, we're getting sucked down to the bottomless pit. It's, it's, it's pretty so, I mean, I, I had, I mean, I, I will, I'll be happy to, like, if anybody wants to point out, like, the best Hammer horror movies to watch. But I gotta say, man, like, I've never, I, I know of the legacy of Hammer horror, but this is my first exposure to them, and... I don't feel like these were the right ones for me to watch. They just didn't connect with me, mm. um, you know. But I'm still willing to check them out because I mean, there's there's great things about them. Like there's uh, in the first one, like this the this the uh, the fucking scars on the forehead, or you know, the burn into yeah. the the cross. Uh, the brides of Dracula had some crazy performances and some interesting stuff. I mean, the 
even though I may have been confused, the the ice uh, Dracula getting on the ice finale was pretty interesting. So there's there's all good elements to these movies, but well, as a whole, AD nineteen seventy two has like a descendant of Van Helsing versus Dracula, and he shows up in the seventies. And it's supposed to, it's modern day at the time, right? Because it comes out in the seventies. It is the seventies. Mm. That I mean, I was trying to get to Dracula AD nineteen. That was the whole my secret thing for this whole thing was like get to that movie. Um, is that like the best of the bunch? Like I think maybe we summarize the other ones. We finish our Dracula for December with Dracula AD nineteen seventy two, and then I tell you how you get to a movie like The Legend of the Seven Golden Vampires. Because by the way, at some point Dracula took a trip trip to China to help out some Chinese va- hopping vampires. That, um, yeah. <laughs> 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 uh, that I mean, Chinese vampire movies are like their own. Oh, I have a whole subgenre. You know what I'm saying? There's like, a there's a series I've been meaning to watch called Mr. Vampire. Oh yeah. Yeah, man. Have it's, you watched those? That comes around because of the legend of the seven golden vampires. So huh. the hopping vampires in uh Asian mythology are awesome. And they have, like I said, they're a whole subgenre of movies. But what we'll do is we'll give you one more December is for Dracula entry. We'll talk about Dracula AD nineteen seventy two. We'll at least mention the other sequels. But that will be our primary focus, and then we'll talk about maybe our favorite version of Dracula or how it relates to uh, to modern Dracula movies. But that'll be a later episode, because um, David needs to recuperate from these movies. So I've left the taste in his mouth. That's not there. <laughs> this is the. I mean, and Dave's the film hit like like. What's funny is Dave could have easily found himself enjoying these movies, and and it's like ringing oh. ringing his neck to get through them, you know. <laughs> well, I was looking forward to them. Like I said, I was, you know, like, and and it's not like you know because I don't like older movies. I love older. I'd rather watch, but I'll be honest, I'd rather watch a Bela Lugosi Dracula before this one again, oh, <laughs> or dang, these guys. Dang, dang. I know that's a through that in the gauntlet. That's, that's like uh, that's like Jay Sherman critic. Um, <laughs> it's funny you say that. I've been watching those again. Lately. <laughs> I'm starting to feel like that guy. I get further and further away from actually making movies and just like being pissed at movies that I see. Stinks. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so we'll be back, folks, with Dracula AD 1972. That'll be pretty awesome. But uh, that wraps it up, dude. So um, yeah. if you are if you have red hair, I don't know what to tell you. You're definitely going to die tonight because you're going to get eaten by a vampire. It's just a done deal. Like we've already, we've already had enough evidence to suggest that if you're a ginger, you're dead. That's just the way yeah, it just- is. Don't hang around European castles. Yeah, just don't visit Carlsbad. Do not t- book a trip to Transylvania. I know you've seen those ads. I've seen a lot of Facebook ads lately, you know, saying, come visit the Transylvania. Don't do it. Unless you're Jeff Goldblum and uh, Ed Bagley Jr., then uh, <laughs> you're fucking going to be all right. <laughs> <What>? <laughs> That's a deep pull for anybody who knows what you're talking about. Ah, they're going to have to look that shit up. We can't do everything for them, Dave. Transylvania can't hold six, their hands while they're binge six five thousand. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, what do you think about Dracula kicking it in the seventies? <laughs> I actually really like this movie. Do you? This was like by far, far and away the best one of the bunch. At least for me. Mm. I'm not going to argue with somebody if they say you know the horror Dracula is the best, but as far as my enjoyment, I think this one was the best. Well, this is sandwiched uh, in between uh, a couple of the other sequels. Um. But okay, lay it, lay it out. Just give us a couple reasons off off the top. 
off the cuff. Um, you know, well, first of all, just in terms of the movie, it, it moved faster. I mean, it mm-hmm. didn't, uh, it didn't lull as much. Um, I don't know, man, just something I just didn't expect this to be kind of a, a swinging sixties or like, um, excuse me, not sixties, but seventies. No, you're right. Despair. though. You're right though. I feel like in England, they're like a decade behind the fashion. Because it seemed like the 60s version Dracula wasn't swinging 60s. It seems like swinging 60s, but in the 70s in London, right? It seems well, like well London, doing... I mean, London kind of like set the, you know, that there's, they're, they're still in that mod mode, you know, from like, mm. the, like it's the Austin Powers era kind of still. Sure, I mean, yeah. you know, what Crushed Austin Powers is. And, and sideburns, yeah. Well, that and, you know, like the style of the women, like uh, the uh, main girl, Jessica, you know, just has a very, you know, the hairstyle and the clothes and the uh, the, eye, the particular eye makeup. Um, Not just, just any very... Jessica, Jessica Van Helsing, no less. Van Helsing, oh. Yeah, the great-great-granddaughter or some crap of uh, the Van Helsing we saw in the first horror of Dracula when Hammer Films opened. So, it's bloodlines, you know, keep it in the family, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> well, of course, it starts off like uh, in the era of the original movies. Yeah, it's like the 1890s and, and like... um. The other Van Helsing is like duking it out with Dracula on a stagecoach. It's probably their most brutal fight, and then they fall off and they both die. <laughs> Although I will say it's pretty badass that uh, Van Helsing uh, staked him with a broken uh, wooden wheel or wagon well, wheel. Well, it sure was an accident. I mean, like technically, Dracula impelled himself, and then Van Helsing just pushed it in further, which is kind of funny because that's what happens later in the movie. Spoiler alert: in the modern day fight. Dracula looks into a grave and sees that it's filled with stakes and then proceeds to fall into it. And then Van Helsing pushes him further onto it with a shovel. And it <laughs> protrudes through his back, which isn't his heart. You know what I noticed about this Dracula? He, he's like an, an immortal Dracula because... uh, I know we skipped over the other sequels because we were talking about like redeeming ourselves from the series because we were getting kind of like sequel whiplash if such a thing exists like whiplash from sequels because we were actually trying to watch them in chronological order for everyone out there and review them properly and do an actual binge watch of like let's watch all seven of these movies and 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 tell people about them but it was hurting it was some of them are rough dude yeah (laughs) like that's what surprised me um this one, like, I don't know, like, it's it's cheesy, but it, it hits, I don't know, man, it just hits the right notes for me. Like, I knew from the minute the screen, the music started and there was bongos or conga, I'm like, oh, we're definitely doing a 70s era thing here. Oh, yeah, well, that's what's funny about the music is, like, uh, it definitely, that's what tells the drama in this movie. It's not like, I will say that the personalities of the teenagers are, like, well-defined, or the, the young party goers, whatever, that make up Jessica's group of friends. Mm. Um, you actually care a little bit more about them, and they seem to be pretty dynamic compared to the other victims in the other movies. And then right. the music is like telling the story in such a way that's like ridiculous. Like uh, at one point, Van Helsing is trying to kill one of the vampires with a, um, I don't know, a makeup mirror, like a little mirror from like somebody's wardrobe. Oh right. And it and like you said, you're hitting, you're hearing these drums like hit every time. And <laughs> it's yeah. Uh, okay, so let's let's back up. What we're talking about is Dracula, AD nineteen seventy two. Eight or is it AD nineteen seventy? Ah, yeah, Dracula. I'll let AD you start. Nineteen seventy two. But I found out when they broadcast it on CBS, they called it Dracula Today. 
Like when they started doing home video in the eighties, like that's when uh-huh. they they like took changed the title. I don't know why. There's no logic behind it. Just hey, it's Dracula today. Like all right. Uh, okay. In this movie, Johnny Alucard raises Count Dracula from the dead in London in 1972, and then the Count goes after the descendants of Van Helsing, which is like the great grandson and then his granddaughter. Uh, Dave mentioned her already, Jessica, who was completely clueless. Like, why didn't her grandfather teach her anything that he found in his grandfather's notebook? Like, why? It doesn't seem like the legacy is maintained. Although I will say. Watching Van Helsing run through the streets of London in the 70s, which is much more thrilling than watching him run through the 1800s. And also, I think he's the most Van Helsing-like. Even though it's modern day, he's the most Van Helsing. Like, like this is the Van Helsing he should have been in, like, a few of the previous sequels. Right. You know what I mean? Like, but, but then again, he's a little bit older. Like, maybe he had to age into it, you know? Yeah, I can see that. By this time, he's playing it for, like, a decade. Maybe or longer. Oh, uh, longer! Yeah, he's been playing it for like fourteen years at this point. What's cool about this movie, though, it's based on like people that were really kicking it around in a cemetery. And there's like you can look it up. You can Google the story called the Highgate Vampire. And like there were two guys investigating supposed vampire activity at the Highgate Cemetery in the early seventies. And what is Johnny Alucard? It's just um, Dracula's name backwards, and that name will pop up in video games. It's a character in Castlevania who's Dracula's son. It's used in other Dracula stories, so that name kind of sits around in pop culture. I'm wondering if this movie created it. I'm not actually sure if it did or not, but it's kind of interesting. Um, the battle in this one is not really that dramatic. Like, there's another sequel. Um, the movie, like right before it, Dracula gets hit with lightning and gets incinerated. So I would think. That's probably the most intense way for Dracula to have died in any of these movies. Um, that's in The Scars of Dracula, which is really just about some dude goes to Dracula's house to have a party, and Dracula doesn't want him there, and then his brother shows up after he gets killed and gets revenge on Dracula, kind of. Finally have a name for Dracula's assistant, though. Dr- Dracula's creepy assistant is called Clove. Um, before that, Taste the Blood of Dracula, which is just three dudes... They accidentally bring Dracula back to life, and they're just like the three dudes in the previous sequel that we watched. So, whatever. <laughs> you know they what they I keep mean? finding ways to bring him back. I like. Yeah, I don't... yeah. They keep bringing him back, and then they keep killing him off in these kind of like what seems to be at this point random ways. But anyway, back to Dracula AD nineteen seventy two because I felt like that was the first one that I saw was Dracula AD 1972 when I was a kid and I was like, Dracula's just walking through the town. Like, what's up? And then I saw the Van Helsing character. You kind of know who Van Helsing is if you know the Dracula story, so familiar with that. Johnny Alencar character is weird, though, because he's in the beginning of the movie. He He's like... Well, that's because the, the guy, that's his descendant. Everybody, this is like everybody's grand... I mean... well. I I wanted to believe that it was also his descendant, but I think it's him. Because he took Dracula's ashes, then he took Dracula's ring, and I was like, did the ring keep him alive for like an extra hundred years? Because he was doing black magic the whole time. And, I thought... and then he makes references. He talks to Dracula like he was the one that collected the ashes and held onto the ring while he was gone. And then I'm like, so you set yourself up for your own demise. Like, you decided to keep Dracula's things 
abuse Dracula's power, and then bring Dracula back. What do you think Dracula's going to end up doing to you? Make you See, a vampire I, bitch. I, I took it as in it was like something that was passed down through the bloodline or that like it was emphasized like his grandfather yeah, or his father. The dialogue, so maybe they fucked up in the dialogue because they had a, he has a conversation with Dracula where he makes a connotation and he basically says like he was preparing for him to get there and then he says something like he notices the ring goes back to Dracula's finger kind of like automatically he just flies off or whatever but it seems like Johnny set it up like he's acknowledging the fact that he's he's the same dude who was trying to rescue Dracula in the beginning of the movie and then collected his ashes you know what I mean he's like chasing him on the horse behind the carriage right right acting as Dracula's servant or whatever but then he's some he's some warlock dude right he's gonna resurrect Dracula during a a spell. I love when he goes to the nightclub and tries to convince the other friends that, oh, nah, we didn't murder one of our friends last night. Don't worry. It wasn't a real blood sacrifice. No problem. <laughs> yeah, this, felt like, the this was, one, felt like one of the first movies that dealt with, like, um, the occult or, like, uh, rituals. Yeah, it takes it to an, uh, another level because previously you're just looking at, like, vampiric powers and mythology from the novel. And in this one, you, you add the element of black magic, right? Right. I have a. I wonder if it had something to do too with um, I don't know, uh, in the air, like Charles Manson type stuff, like because mm. that happened just a few years before this, where they're like, oh well, this is just creepier, a bunch of kids trying to do satanic shit. Yeah, the opening scenes in this are kind of weird, where like they're a little group of hippies or whatever, or yeah, club hipsters were like followed some band to a rich excuse me a rich teenager's house or something and then like they couldn't handle it because it was like um aristocratic londonites mm-hmm. and they were they couldn't handle the punk rock or whatever was going on and then there was like a suggestion that these these club hoppers were I don't know what do you want to call these guys whatever they're basically the hippies of London at that yeah. time or so they so they like uh they knew exactly how to time to leave the party when the police would show up. But then, like, the band is playing, and then all of a sudden the band goes from punk rock to hillbilly, like, between songs. Like, it's the same singer, but then he has a, suddenly a new outfit on, and he's gone honky-tonk for one song. You know what I mean? Huh. I don't know I if mean, you noticed uh, that. But I, I didn't. Anyway, did you notice the people having sex under the table? And oh, yeah. that one of the friends makes out with some random girl sitting on a couch, and then and then the party gets busted up. This is all right. in the opening. This is all in like the first I don't know seven minutes or something. Right. And then the, the movie lulls just like the other ones. Like it still lulls during the re. It's like, kind of like what do you want to call like uh, the research part of the movie? Like it, <laughs> no, I mean it does, but yeah, I I dug this one more. I think. I think, as you said, like I actually cared about these characters more. They actually gave them a little more um, to do because there was um, they found other dramatic things to do in between. Um, yeah, well, you know, I mean, they look for their missing friend. A body gets discovered in the construction zone, which used to be the old cemetery and Dracula's old, I don't know, hangout. Um, and now there's a nightclub there, right? Like everything's centered around the nightclub, which is kind of funny. Um, then, uh, oh. Did you think it was obvious when the boyfriend showed up at her house and didn't walk inside, and then the nanny had to invite him in, and he had the he had the the uh, the neckerchief on his neck or whatever it is, the, the oh, ascot right, right. around his neck. 
Mm-hmm. Like, oh, dude's a vampire. Here it comes. But I feel like that was kind of cheap because we just saw him walk in looking for the other guy. And we, at that point, didn't know that Johnny was a vampire as well. And then, like, then all of a sudden, if they're not, if the friends aren't eliminated, then they're vampires. Um, oh, oh. And Jessica's character ended up being a dead fish. Because, like, for two-thirds of the movie, it sets her up as a pretty strong character, but then hands it over to Van Helsing to show up and finish the job. When she could have turned yeah, into the hero. But not yeah, really. Yeah, that's, that's true. Um, you know, his, um... What's that guy's name? Alcord again, or... Oh, Alucard. <laughs> it's just Dracula. Alucard, yeah. No, I know, but like something in my brain can't. Um, I don't know, man. Like he, he, he felt more like Renfield, uh, like than some of the stand-ins of the last couple movies. Yeah, it was funny. Uh, he's a pretty dynamic character, and like he's a good villain, an anti-hero at least. Yeah, he God, he like he was just all over Dracula. Like, come on, turn me, turn. I mean, that was like the message. Like, come on, please, please, turn me, turn me. I'm gonna be immortal. <laughs> yeah, I kinda um, don't like Dracula. By this point, I'm kind of done with Dracula. He he's barely in the movie, and it's his movie. <laughs> like, I didn't time it or anything, but it felt like out of this hour and thirty five minutes or so, it felt like he was only in it about maybe twenty. Yeah. Ten, yeah, maybe yeah. ten fifteen. Yeah, about ten fifteen minutes of total screen time. Yeah. Like not enough time to have a, even a presence. Like I mean <clears throat> like he wasn't scary. Um even though I, I'm saying this even though this was my favorite of the ones, but it's just because it's kind of bonkers. But they were just seems... chasing this movie though. He chases after Van Helsing. Which is kind That's of funny. Like, oh, well, of course, he was it. hard up to get Jessica, then. He's like, oh, it must be her, his daughter, or his granddaughter. They didn't kill a redhead in this movie. They killed a black girl instead, which is... That's too bad. Well, yeah, <laughs> well, that's when that trend started. What? Oh, the, oh, oh, I mean, the minority this era. has to be killed in the horror movie first? You think right. it started with this movie? Or I'm not saying it started just in this era that started. Mm-hmm. She's just a teeny bopper, folks. She reminds me of, like, uh, Josie and the Pussycats. Like, Josie from Josie and the Pussycats. As far as I'm talking about a characterization. <laughs> um, but, I mean, gullible, I guess, gullible. And way too into the Johnny character. I mean, that's her downfall. Um, yeah, Jessica, I mean, even though she's our protagonist, she's kind of dumb. <laughs> oh, I was talking about the other girl. The one who got killed. I don't remember her name. Oh, oh, oh. The one who's way into Johnny and is like is happy that Jessica's hanging out with the other dude. Um Yeah, I guess I could have written down the characters' names, didn't do that much research, but Because uh, <laughs> I know they're all they're all cannon fodder. They're all you know what I mean? <laughs> like right. can't watch it for them. This is I'm... the movie that breaks the pattern of killing the redhead though and turn it into a vampire bride, but as you said, we have Jessica. You know. So Um I noticed she was wearing regular clothes in the beginning of the movie, but the time she gets to Vampiric Bride, like, she's got a bustier on. Right. And, gonna, they're, yeah. and they're lighting her differently, like, oh, okay, what's going on? You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of obvious now. <laughs> oh, man. But, yeah, I, I, I really, this one, even though it didn't have the most Dracula, this was the most fun. At least for me. Yeah, you know why? It's kind of zany. 
but it's an upbeat attitude and maybe they couldn't afford more film so they had they like really tightened up even their long shots you know what i mean like right they really they really got into the story it starts right away and it just keeps going none of these movies are very long and they and they don't feel well a couple of the previous sequels um Dracula's risen from the grave or whatever mm. that droned that definitely dragged that had a lot oh, of drag. Yeah. so but this one it keeps your interest for most of the movie I don't really buy that that water coming out of a shower is the same thing as running water oh yeah yeah that's... I mean that's a it was a weak way for the Johnny character to go out it would have been better if like Van Helsing had to duke it out with Johnny and Dracula because Johnny basically stumbles around, he gets hit by the, the reflection from the mirror, and then he falls in his own shower, and it gets turned on, and then he's like, oh shit, I've been running water, <laughs> fucking let me out. <laughs> like, <laughs> and then Helsey just kind of looks at him, eh, no, nah, maybe not. What's weird is like how the cops are so cooperative with Van Helsing in this movie. That's what I thought there'd be something different, like the Scotland Yard wouldn't help him. Right. <laughs> um, they're a bigger <laughs> element in the following sequel, the one that comes after... Is uh, Satanic Rites of Dracula, and that's the last appearance by Christopher Lee as Dracula. Hmm. Oh, that's in '73. But then, like I said, he's going to do a French comedy. I mentioned it on the last Dracula episode we did, but he goes on and does a French movie, which it's the same character, the same Dracula. It's supposed to be the Hammer Dracula, uh, a French comedy called Dracula and Son that comes out in '76. <laughs> wow. I don't know. And then Satanic Rites is just literally 1970s London, Scotland Yard. I think they've uncovered a case of vampirism. So they call they call Van Helsing back in. And then it becomes apparent that the culprit is Count Dracula, which doesn't make any fucking sense. He's disguised as a property developer plotting to unleash a fatal virus on the world. How the fuck is that possible when he's he's dusted again? It literally makes no sense. Like, and then he's pretending to be a real estate developer? Does that make any fucking sense? None. No. None whatsoever. Like, I don't even understand how they even get to... That's like, they're sit. Like, do you think of the production offices, like the bullpens, back in the day, where they're just throwing darts at the board? Like, mm. they're literally throwing darts at story elements on the wall, and, and, and then picking the ones that they hit. You know? And, like, and splicing those together. I don't know. <laughs> you got me. <laughs> And then they get to the Legend of the Seven Golden Vampires, which is comes out in 74. Dracula, he's going to go to a Chinese village, and he's going to support some hopping vampires that are over there. But guess what? Professor Van Helsing is on a lecture tour, and he's going to fuck up Dracula in China as well. <laughs> like, um, But again, we wanted to talk about that movie because um, it's more of a martial arts movie, but it establishes there is a Chinese legend of the Seven Golden Vampires, and there's a whole series of hopping vampire movies in China and like their vampires have different powers and and come from a different backstory. And some of those movies are great. I think you mentioned one um Mr. Uh, Mr. Vampire. Yeah, the Mr. Vampire series. So those are worth watching, folks. If you're going to go into this series, I think you should see how it begins, I guess, right? I mean, they should see how they set up the Christopher Lee Dracula and the uh Peter Cushing Van Helsing, right? I mean, yeah, I mean the horrors of Dracula, the first one. I mean, it's it's worth watching just to see uh, where it all started, or you know, to see like one of the first color horror movies. Um, but I think you can skip some of the sequels. I, I say honestly, I say 
jump right to Dracula in 1972 AD. Hmm. But yeah, that would be kind of cool. I would say if you got to do three of them, like, I mean, if I, I mean, if I could, if I would plan it again, I would go Forza Dracula, Dracula AD 1972, and then the Legend of the Seven Golden Vampires, and that's a hell of a night. You know, get a sixer of of Pabst Blue Ribbon, get your boys together, <laughs> get some pizza. That's a hell of a night. You know what I'm saying? Like, that could be a really fun binge-watching evening is to put those three films together and what have you, you know? Right. And, and there's parts your... of Brides of Dracula I liked. Oh, yeah. It's interesting, but it doesn't have anything to do with Dracula. <laughs> right. Other, well, it has Van Helsing. <laughs> but. And I still can't figure out if they don't like each other. You know what I mean? If like, Dracula and Van Helsing don't like each other? The actors, or the actors? The actors. Cause they... Oh, that I can. Huh. I don't know. I haven't heard anything as if any of them had a problem with the other. I just noticed their stories are not, they're not in a lot of scenes together and they show up in different sequels opposite of each other. You know what I mean? One pops up in one, the other one doesn't, and the other one does, vice versa. Yeah, I don't know. Of course, they're shooting a bunch of other Hammer horror films at the same time, a litany of them, and both of them are in these other horror films at the same time, so maybe there's a conflict of, like, scheduling or something. Who knows? Maybe. I wonder if they were shooting a couple of them at the same time. Like, okay, today you're Van Helsing. Tomorrow you're a professor or somebody, you know? <laughs> I wouldn't doubt film, it. You know? Something like that. I wouldn't even doubt that. Yeah. It's clear that Christopher Lee is dialing it in. I mean, like, re- reflecting on his career, I think he embraces the fact that he was Dracula in all these movies. Um, and is okay with it. Cushing, in the first couple of sequels, Cushing gives you, like, a hell of a, you know soliloquy performance like he's definitely dedicated and super into it mm. and then later on I just I just maybe I just like the older grizzled version of Van Helsing like I maybe in my mind Van Helsing should just be older and so when the actor gets to that point where he's played him and has the experience of playing him for a while I like him better I don't know is that just like physical traits maybe he, mm. he's, he's like not as dynamic he can't run as fast or, I don't know do you know what I mean I, I don't know does that make the but even Dracula's a little bit geriatric too, though. By towards the end of the series, right? So, I don't know what you're, you got any to add to that, or uh... well, I mean, like I said, I I don't know. I overall, I was expecting to like these movies a little more, but I'm glad I watched them. Yeah. Um, you know, you uh, I don't know. It's also a piece of horror history. I mean, horror film history. So I, it's always worth a watch for that, just to see where we get certain tropes or things. All right. Now let's talk about modern Dracula or Dracula in another film. Like, who would be your go-to Dracula? Or is there just a vampire film that sticks out for you? God, vampire films. Uh, putting me on the spot. Sorry. Um, you know, um, since you put me on the spot, I think the one that uh, jumps to my mind is... Um, it's it's a, a George Romero movie actually, and it's called uh, Martin. Oh, interesting. interesting um, and I'm gonna put a vampire movie in quotation or question mark because that's kind of the uh, the big thing about that movie is that you got this kid who believes he's a vampire, but you know, is he really? Is he not? Because like he'll uh, it has a lot to say about mental illness. I think um, it's been a while since I've seen it, but like you don't. This kid claims to be a vampire, but he does things like. Uh, cuts people you know his victims he cuts them with a razor blade to drink their blood uh and, mm-hmm. you know because um i don't know it's a it's an interesting movie and it has one of the most 
out there. Uh, I won't say out there, but like the ending just shakes you and you're just like, and then you get the stew in it. Like, you know, one of those movie endings where something happens, you go, what the fuck? And then kind of credits roll or just like before you know what happened, the wind's knocked out of you and the movie's over. Right. Uh, uh, yeah, that's a good choice. Uh, I've only seen Martin, I think, once. But, yeah, that's definitely something to pop in and take a look at or download, what have you. Uh, I would say if you're looking for a psychedelic vampire movie, go watch The Hunger with Susan Sarandon and um, and David Bowie. I've never seen that. I've always uh, been meaning to. Oh, it's good. It's damn good. Because that was like Tony Scott's first movie, wasn't it? Uh, thereabouts. I'm not exactly sure where it falls. Um, but yeah, uh, people should go watch The Hunger if they're looking for something that's like a keen to the, as you said, shagadelic nature of Dracula AD 1972. <laughs> the Hunger is technically a drama, though, but it does some pretty um, tripped out shit. Right. Uh, I I have to, I know it's one I've been meaning to check out. David Bowie melts in that movie. People should definitely watch that. Dude melts. <laughs> All right, folks, thank you for sticking out December's for Dracula and binge-watching all the Hammer horror films with us. Uh, if you have any suggestions for things you want us to binge-watch, drop us an email, get to the Facebook group. That's where Dave hangs out. He'll see your messages if you happen to message him. Um, <laughs> we have a website now, bwpodcast.com, or you can Google the entire name if you're so inclined for Binge Watchers Podcast. We're on every podcast platform everywhere. And we're not the new kids on the block. We've been around a little while, but hopefully you're enjoying some of the new episodes we're putting together. And what a ride Roller Coaster Season 8's been so far. 